What's up, everybody? I hope everyone is having a great morning. Today is Friday, February 12th, and this is the inaugural episode of the Rocket Science Podcast. A little bit about myself. My name is Nima Javadzada. I'm a senior mathematics and sport analytics student at Syracuse University in Syracuse, New York. I'm an Iranian, and I've lived on the southeast side of Houston my entire life. I've been a Rockets diehard for longer than I can remember. And now that I'm making the basketball industry into a career, this podcast is my next step forward. I'm here to talk about all things Rockets, all things NBA, and I love, 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 love to talk about the analytics of basketball. As it's part of my major and I strive to be a data analyst for a team one day, you can often see some of my data projects on my Twitter as well as in some of my published articles. You can find me on Twitter at FindingNema23, as well as some of my articles on OvertimeHeroics.net and BorderfieldSports.com. I look forward to doing this podcast regularly and hopefully having insightful conversations with people on them, both people from Twitter who are avid Rockets fans or NBA fans, and as well as people in the industry. For now, though, let's get into it. I've got a few segments for you guys, and I'd love to go over last night's game. So last night, the Rockets played the Miami Heat in a 101-94 loss in the Toyota Center in Houston. And, you know, let me just go over my points of the game. First of all, we need rebounding. DeMarcus Cousins is our only consistent rebounder. Um, Jay Sean Tate, he did a great job. And I would say the, those two players were our best players on the team last night. John Wall, you know, he kind of started off really slow, got it going um, towards the end of the game. And in the second quarter as well. But for the most part, you know, he didn't really have an incredible night. Victor Oladipo exited the game early in the third quarter after a knee injury in the second quarter. Uh, he kind of came back, tested the waters, uh, and then went to the locker room. Uh, P.J. Tucker also exited the game early due to hamstring contusion. But, you know, injuries and missing players is going to happen all season long, especially in the COVID environment. And Miami didn't have a healthy roster either. They were missing Goran Dragic, uh, the former Rocket, and Tyler Hero. And so, uh, we, you know, you can't really use injuries anymore as an excuse. Obviously, you know, we're missing Christian Wood, who is arguably our best player. Um, but, you know, the way we played last night isn't going to cut it. It was not about not being talented enough last night. We got lit up by Max Struess. Um, 19 points for him, and you know, shout out to him. He had the game of his night. The if 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 you're a um, if you're a borderline NBA player, uh, just trying to make a name for yourself, circle the Rockets game that you end up playing. Um, force your coach to play you that game. Do something. Do whatever you can to play the Rockets, no matter what team you are, because you are almost guaranteed to have the the night of your career. Um. Especially if, you know, you've barely seen the court ever in your life. And so, basically, okay, let me get back on track. Um, we, we, we couldn't play at all in the third quarter. We came out and just kind of let Miami do whatever they want and watched and shot threes that, you know, couldn't hit the side of the rim. Um, and I think we had 10 points in the quarter and only six through the first eight minutes, which won't cut it in the league no matter what you do that for one quarter in any game you're probably going to lose and we the the biggest thing was not even our defense I mean our defense was decent um or sorry the biggest thing with our defense which was decent I will say we held a team to 101 and even though Miami's 25th and offensive rating 101's pretty good in the modern NBA um but the biggest thing is we have no rim protection at all. No rim protection whatsoever. They shot 83.3% at the rim. 
uh, we shot just 57.7%. And so, you know, we need a big man desperately. I'll get into that a little bit later, but it's, it's, it's becoming a more and more glaring issue every single game, as well as the need for a backup facilitator. Uh, when John Wall sits, we have nobody who can run that offense. You know, Miami had the luxury of having Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler combined for 18 assists last night. But we don't have any guy like that who, you know, when John Wall's sitting, I can look at them and say, hey, this guy can generate offense for the entire team. We have Eric Gordon who can generate offense for himself. Um, and even with Christian Wood, you know, Christian Wood needs someone to generate offense for him. Um, and that's where John Wall comes in hand with him. And that's why that pairing is so good. And that's why Wood plays so well, especially whenever there's a guy like uh, Wall on the floor. But he can't create offense for himself that well either. And Victor Oladipo, I, until he, you know, kind of figures out a shot, I don't want him creating offense for himself or others. Um, and so this team desperately needs another facilitator as it doesn't have to be, you know, anybody crazy. It can be someone coming off the bench who can do their job for, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a night and leave the rest up to John Wall. But whenever he sits, the offense just gets so stagnant. And honestly, sometimes when he's in, in the game, like even in the third quarter last night, he was in the game. Offense was horrible. And so, you know, there's there's just things that need to be fixed with this roster. And obviously, whenever you're dealing with a incomplete roster that just came off a small ball project lost their two mvps uh you're gonna have an incomplete roster but you had an opportunity to really rebuild this roster especially after the Harden trade um you you it was a four-team deal three other teams were the assets all of which have decent backup you know point guards backup shooting guards backup centers um that you could have at least tried to tried to pull for um and instead you got you know a guy having the worst slump of his career a guy who probably won't play a single game as a rocket and then another guy in crooks who i don't want to see touch the court i'm very surprised they didn't send him down to the g league um but you know this this team is is not where it needs to be and eventually it will be hopefully uh by the deadline i think this team definitely needs to make a couple big moves and, you know, I, I got into a little bit of an argument last night with someone on Twitter uh, saying, you know, this this roster is incomplete. And, you know, they're not. And they, they, were, they were saying that, you know, based on how we dealt with it and based on what the plan is, you know, the plan is not to compete. So why not just have an incomplete roster and play a bunch of young guys and get them to get some run? And my argument to that is we're not playing a bunch of young guys and trying to get them some run. And on top of that, for player development, it's it's horrible for player development to play guys out of position just because you want to put throw five young guys on the court and see what hits, you know, see what sticks. Um, you can I mean a various a very obvious example of that is like Aaron Gordon, who for a lot of his youth was played as a small forward, even though he's more of a power forward. Um, and his minutes at the small forward, I would say, kind of stunted his growth, and so. There's there's no reason to have such a such a mismanaged roster, especially whenever you know the young guys you're playing are you know maybe Jay Sean Tate, you know who who else is young that you're really playing? You're playing Ben McElmore is 28, Daniel House is 27, 28, uh, Sterling Brown's 25, he played 25 minutes last night. Eric Gordon's over 30, John Wall's approaching 30, Victor Oladipo's approaching 30, PJ Tucker's approaching retirement, um, and so 
you're, you're not playing young guys. You're playing, you know, average NBA players. You're, uh, this isn't a team that, you know, you want to say, hey, let's bottom out, get some guys some some run, and just have some young guys go out there and run back and forth and try and figure out how to play. Uh, you're playing vets. You're playing guys who, you know, have had meaningful minutes on decent teams. Um guys who know how to play and they're just they're just not showing it um and you know obviously you know it's a it's a seven point loss to Miami who came off a finals run and they're just having a very horrible season this year but this isn't the first you know we're on a four game losing streak at this point and this is something that I've noticed in every single game even you know before the Harden trade and even in games, you know, that we're winning by 20 or 30, we don't have a complete roster. And that's something that needs to get fixed immediately. And that was the, my biggest takeaway from last night's game. Uh, obviously, you know, just to kind of recap, the defense was solid. There's nothing I can really complain about, especially whenever you hold a team to 101. Um, get rim protection, learn how to rebound. Um, another scorer would be nice on this roster. And hopefully someone who can at least shoot the ball with average efficiency. Um, but other, you know, other than that, it was a tough game, a tough loss. Uh, they showed a little bit of fight towards the end, which I like. I really, I really enjoyed that. Honestly, uh, seeing in the fourth quarter, I believe we started the fourth quarter down 14. Um, or sorry, we started the quarter down 12, uh, came back, brought it to within three, couldn't get a rebound. I, I believe Iguodala got two backup, uh, two, uh, offensive rebounds, um, led to a couple free throws, and it ended up being a seven-point loss. Um, before I before I finish this part of the segment, I want to quickly go over um, Steven Silas real quick. Steven Silas, I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he will eventually get to that point where, you know, he is a top-five coach in the league, but he is a rookie, and he doesn't really know – he doesn't. He doesn't really have you know all the intangibles that you would like a coach to have, and part of that is his persistence on keeping the same rotation, and his persistence on his rotation. I think last night, uh, I yelled at my TV a good amount about getting Daniel House out of the game, especially whenever he was shooting one for nine from three, uh, and Daniel House just kept getting run, kept getting run, and eventually he put in Ben McElmore with Daniel House on the court together. And Ben McElmore shot 0 for 5 from 3 in 5 minutes of play. And I don't understand why he won't play Mason Jones more games. I understand that there's a 50-game G League limit. Um, We are 23 games into the season, and Mason Jones has played about 10. Um, So he has, I believe, I, I believe that there is 59... Or, sorry, 49 games left in the year. Uh, he can play 40 of those 49, and last night would have been a great time for him to play one of them, especially whenever the offense is stagnant. You have a guy who's shooting 50-plus percent from three, and the defense isn't going to pay attention to him. I don't see why you don't play him. Miami was playing Gabriel Vincent and Max Struess uh, major minutes, and we couldn't get Mason Jones on the floor. I understand he's not you know as ready as I would like him to be, but neither is Ben McElmore at 28 years old, and I love Ben McElmore. But that game last night, he just he couldn't hit anything, and that's why he was put in was to hit threes. And if he's not doing it, try the other guy. Um, but that's that's basically my point with Silas is just his his stubbornness with his rotations is reaching Mike D'Antoni tier. 
Um, it's not there yet. And until I see how his rotations are in the playoffs, I, I, I will not slander his name to that point. Um, but it, it definitely needs some work. And I think part of that is also due to the lack of experience on, on the bench outside of Silas. You know, we have Jeff Hornacek, who's a, he was a decent head coach. I think he was a head coach for like two years, more of a, a more no, well-known for his playing than his coaching. Um, and John Lucas, who I, I feel like there's got to be a reason why he doesn't have a head coaching job. Um, and he's more known for his player development, which, is, you know, he's phenomenal at that. But we just don't have that assistant coach that can really be in Silas's ear and say like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Uh, because we don't have any anyone with that kind of experience. Um, but that, that wraps up my points for the game. Uh, 101 to 94 loss. And Jimmy Butler had a triple-double. We had some good good games from DeMarcus Cousins and Jay Shante. We just weren't able to get it out. And, uh, you know, shout-out Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker. Um, as much as I might talk about wanting you guys off the team later on in this podcast, uh, I hope you guys come back from uh, your, your injuries healthy and hopefully uh, better than you were before. I want to do a really, really quick seg- segment about Kevin Porter Jr. Um, he is currently in the the G League with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., as you guys might know, he uh, was recently acquired by the Rockets for a very, very heavily protected second-round pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Over the offseason, he had a lot of issues. I think he was arrested for marijuana possession, for a gun charge. Um, he allegedly attacked a 19-year-old woman. Uh, he says that it was uh, in defense of his sister, and there was no charges on the case, but obviously, you know, it's it's something to worry about. And then on top of that, uh, at some point during the offseason, he posted on Instagram saying uh, something along the lines of, do you ever wish to see the end of your time? And uh, so obviously, you know, he's only 20, but this is a, a troubled 21, 20-year-old kid. Um, who who needs who needs a lot of work mentally? He doesn't need a lot of work on the court. You know, he's still young, and it's gonna come with experience. But mentally, he needs a lot of help, and that's what I that's part of why I'm so happy the Rockets traded for him. I think John Lucas will really get this kid to get his head on straight. And if anybody can do it in the league, it's John Lucas. Um. And so in order to kind of get his head on straight, the Rockets decided to send him down to the G League, partly because he hasn't really played at all this season. And he has been, uh, for lack of a better term, phenomenal. Uh, He's averaging 23 points per game, 42% from the field, 35% from three, 83% from the free throw line, uh, three three and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, two steals, and one and a half blocks per game in his two games so far uh, in Rio Grande Valley. Um, they lost their first game against the 905 and they won last night 99 to 95 against uh, the Agua Caliente Clippers, which is the Clippers G League affiliate. Um, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be very great for this team in the future. I don't think he's going to be, you know, Harden. Um, he, he could be. He, he, very, he very likely could be. I mean, look, looking at those stats, you know, 42% from the field, 35% from three, uh, 23, five and a half, three and a half. That, that's, you know, young Harden kind of numbers. Obviously, it's, it's a G League, but, you know, his rookie season, there's the whole thing of his rookie season stats and Harden's rookie season stats are identical. And uh, there's, this, there's a term scalability that with, um, with additional touches, basically, your 
percentages stay the same and your output basically stays the same uh, per touch. And that's kind of what we're seeing with Kevin Porter Jr. is the the increased volume of his play isn't changing his shooting percentages. It isn't changing his output. And that is something that is really, really good in the league. That's that's why, you know, you see like per 36 stats and people say, oh, well, per 36 doesn't tell the whole story, which it doesn't. Um, but whenever you have a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. who's uh, playing big minutes and playing small minutes and putting out basically the same output as that per 36, that was the same thing as Christian Wood last year is per 36 and when he was actually playing 36 minutes, his stats were almost identical. And we're going to kind of see that with Kevin Porter Jr. so far this season. Obviously, again, it is the G League. Will those numbers translate into the NBA? Um, it's hard to tell. But he looks good. He's only 20, and he looks he, – he's very crafty. He's very, very crafty. There's that step-back three he hit um, that looked very reminiscent to James Harden. There was a play last night where he kind of drove into two guys – uh, came off his right foot, fell back a little bit, and hit a fadeaway mid-range jumper. Um, very just incredibly crafty player, and I'm very excited to see him in a Rockets uniform. Uh, but for now, you know, in Rio Grande Valley, he's doing a great job. They're one and one. I'm excited to see what the bubble looks like moving forward a little bit more. Um, they seem to be doing very well. And I, I just want to give a quick shout-out to um, Mahmoud Abdel Fada. He's a Palestinian Muslim coach for the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers. I believe he's the first Palestinian uh, head coach in the G League. Um, and that roster, you know, they have a very, they have a lot of talent. They have Ke uh, Kevin Porter Jr. They have Ray Spalding, who he had a great game that first game. Um, I believe last night he put up, uh, it was something like 14 rebounds. Uh, I don't remember, 16 points, 14 rebounds. And Broderick Thomas, he had a decent night too, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Armani Brooks, the former Cougar, he had 17 in that first game. He had 11 last night. Um, and then there's Kenyon Martin Jr., who he had 14 and 12. Uh, he had seven turnovers, but he had five blocks last night. And so the Rockets have a lot, a lot of good youth in their system, whether it's in the G League or on, on the roster itself. Um, and so, you know, the – not not the sky's the limit, but there's there's a lot of hope here uh, for the future, especially in the post Harden era. The only problem is right now, we we don't have that that guy who can really put us over the top, and I don't think we're gonna get that guy anytime soon. Um, it seems like it's gonna be a slow slow build, similar to what we did in 2010 to 2012. But again, my problem with that is in 2010 to 2012, you had a roster who was, at the very least, traditional. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that a traditional roster is the only way you can play, obviously. But, you know, that roster had three playmakers and Goran Dragic, Kyle Lowry, and Aaron Brooks. You had sharpshooters and Budinger and Courtney Lee and Kevin Martin. You had a scorer in Kevin Martin. You had another scorer in Luis Scola. Um, you had, you know... Three, you had Shane Battier for that first year, I believe, who was a great three and D wing. Uh, you had Samuel Dallenbear, Jordan Hill, who were very, you know, capable centers. They weren't great, but they were capable. Um, Carl Landry, Patrick Patterson, guys like that off the off the bench who were able to, you know, come in, give good minutes, 
And that's not what we have on this roster right now. If we're going to look at 2010 and 2012 and say, oh man, those years sucked, uh, these years could very likely be even worse just because we don't have a roster. Uh, we have 15 guys who go out there and play basketball. We don't have a roster. And so that is going to be the number one thing that this team needs to fix. That's going to be the number one thing that this team needs to address. And I think that's going to come soon, um, closer to the trade deadline. Uh, so a lot of this has just been kind of casual since it is my first podcast and um, I, I, I do want to keep it short. I kind of want to use this to get everyone to kind of understand how my mind works. For the most part, these aren't going to be by myself. I would like to get people on them. So if you're listening this far and you would like to be on, like to have conversation with me, um, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to have you on. Um but uh, so for the most part, I'm going about this this podcast casually. This is more so just me talking and me rambling for ten plus minutes. Um, and so if you've sat through all this, bared through it, I, I really appreciate it. Since it is the first podcast, I wanted to go about it a little bit more casually and less scripted, just so you guys kind of get to know me a little bit better. Uh, I've only been on one podcast before. It was Zachary Allen. Uh, shout out Zach Allen, man. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, especially in uh, his post-game conferences. But he gave me a great opportunity to be on a podcast with him, Lashard Binkley, and uh, Anthony Davis. You can find uh, Zach Allen at Renzo the Don on Twitter. And you can find the podcast. It's Zoe's Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, please go check it out. It was a great conversation. But because of that, that was my first uh, opportunity to really be out in the public, and this is my second opportunity. And so I kind of want to get wanted to get people to understand me a little bit better and understand how I talk. So for now, um, just to kind of end this, and I'm going to keep this first one really short. Uh, but to end it, I want to talk about kind of the state of the Rockets, things that I think that they should do. I've talked about, I've touched through it, uh, touched on it throughout the podcast so far. But I kind of just wanted to have a whole segment for it and so one fix the roster you know get a guy like Mo Bamba get a backup point guard uh, whether it be you know a young guy like Lonzo Ball uh, I'm a big Emmanuel Moutier fan people are gonna laugh at me for that uh, I think he still deserves a chance especially whenever you know we have a roster full of guys who didn't really get an, uh, get a chance in their uh, in their career Emmanuel Moutier is one of those guys who I feel like he was kind of thrown to the side and he is, he's very talented, uh, in my opinion. And there's a reason why he was a top 10 pick a few years ago. <coughs> but for the most part, you know, um, we, we, we do need a backup playmaker and we do need a backup center. And I think that the, the trade market this year is going to be very interesting just because uh, teams are so close together. I think, you know, even though right now we are sitting, I believe it's the third seed. Um, I believe it's the third seed. And, or sorry, 13th seed, wow. Um, but we are, I think it's only a couple games behind the the fourth seed. Uh, we're, we're sitting at the 13th seed. We're four and a half games behind the fourth seed. And that's very doable with 50 games left in the season, um, especially whenever, you know, Christian Wood comes back and healthy. But if you fix the problems with the roster faster, I mean, obviously we lost that game because we didn't have rebounding, we didn't have rim protection, and we didn't have a guy who can generate offense. And... That takes maybe, you know, it could be done in one player. It could be done in about two players. But you have 11 picks and about seven guys on this roster who I don't see being on this roster long term. Uh, Victor Oladipo, P.J. Tucker, um, Daniel House, Ben McElmore, 
uh, Dante Exum, sorry, six. Rodion's Kuroks, that's six. Uh, so you have about six guys on a roster of 15 who I really don't see being here long-term. I like Daniel House. Um, it's hard to root against a guy from Houston, you know, not he's playing on his hometown team. I would love for him to be great. He's just way too inconsistent on a roster of inconsistency, and we need some kind of consistency out of him, and or not out of him, out of somebody. And Daniel House is a serviceable player for a lot of really good contenders. You know, he can come off the bench, give you that ten to fifteen points, play good defense. He's a decent playmaker for you know what he gives you. Um, I I think he he will have some value out on the trade or out on the trade market, even if you know it's it's not that great because of his bubble mishap and because of his uh, horrible rap career, but you know this team still has enough, still has what it takes to make the playoffs. I just don't think that they can do it with the roster as is. Um, there's four or five guys on this team who I would say are. Replic like rep they for the most part replicate each other. Uh, Jay Sean Tate, PJ Tucker, David Nawaba, and Sterling Brown, they for the most part do the exact same thing. Uh, play really good defense. Um, run the run the tra- like run transition outside of PJ Tucker, um, and be be the hustle guy who occasionally we need you to hit corner threes. Um. Of those four, David Nwaba has been probably the best whenever it comes to like the hustle, and Jay Sean Tate's been the best just in general. And P.J. Tucker's been the worst. And P.J. is a guy who I don't really see being on this roster for very long. I think he needs to get traded sooner than later. Um, and Victor Oladipo, I'm okay with waiting until the trade deadline for him, but I think Tucker needs to be gone like almost immediately. Um, just because, you know, you have four guys on the roster doing the exact same thing. Meanwhile, you don't have a scorer outside of Eric Gordon. You don't have a scorer who can shoot. Um, I, I don't want to call Eric Gordon a shooter anymore. Um, he's he's not really doing a great job at it. And then you don't have a backup facilitator or a backup big. And I feel like those holes, filling those holes, will make us a better team than, you know, just keeping P.J. Tucker along for the ride because he's great for the chemistry and talks a lot on the court. Um, I think there's a part, and when it it comes to communication, you know, P.J.'s not the only guy communicating. I believe there was a game, um, I think it was the Pelicans game, there was a play where Sterling Brown was defending, I want to say it was Brandon Ingram, I'm probably wrong about who he was defending, but he was on the right side. Uh, he was guarding on the right wing, and it was just him, one-on-one defense. Everyone is behind him, and he's screaming to the team, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And so having a guy like Sterling Brown do that over P.J. Tucker, I would say honestly helps this roster in the long run. He he has that communication skill on the court that P.J. Tucker has. I would say Jay Sean Tate probably has it as well. Um, not to the level of P.J. Tucker, but he's going to get there. And, you know, John Wall is a decent communicator as well. John Wall also, you know, he you could be the you could be guarding a center and, you know, let the center score on you, and John Wall will be on the other side of the court, and he'll take blame for it. And that's what I kind of love. Um, he, he will sit there, and he'll take blame for it. He, he will say, like, hey, it's, it's my fault for not being there to help. It's my fault for not, you know, 
cutting the guy and uh, cutting off a guy in transition. Uh, it's my fault for making not making the pass better whenever you miss a shot. John Wall takes accountability, even if it has nothing to do with himself. Uh, and that that reminds me of Steve Nash a bit, and how Steve Nash used to take accountability for everything, even when he was on the bench. Um, and so you know, having guys like John Wall, having guys like Jay Sean Tate and Sterling Brown. Um, who communicate on the court and, you know, we'll talk on the court. It, it makes P.J. Tucker expendable, especially when P.J., you know, isn't hitting his threes. He's uh, taken a step back defensively, and he seems to be, have taken a step back mentally as well. Um, he just doesn't seem to be as in it as he was in previous years, and it, it's understandable, especially whenever you were on a championship contending team with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Uh, you know, star guys that you're used to playing with, you like playing with, you're close with, you have a good relationship with. Um, and now you're on a rebuilding roster where the only guy who's even in the front office and on the roster who's been here with you is Eric Gordon. Um, so PJ Tucker is definitely just checked out, and I think it's time to move him um, as soon as possible. I would love to get Mo Bamba. I think you get Mo Bamba out of Ben McElmore even. You don't even have to give up PJ for him. Um, Orlando needs shooting. We need a big man. Make it happen. Um, PJ Tucker would be great on a team like Boston who really needs defense and really needs that defensive communicator. Boston has that giant trade exception that they got from Gordon Hayward. Um, and so having PJ Tucker on that roster would really, really help them, especially with their depth. Um, I think they have, you know, Daniel Tice and, uh, Tristan Thompson playing center, and their backup power forward is Grant Williams, who can't really, you know, get a lot of run. Uh, so having P.J. Tucker on there to kind of round out that big man rotation uh, would definitely help the Celtics in the long run, especially whenever you're competing with a team like the Nets, um, where defense is just it's going to be your number one priority because the offense is going to come since Brooklyn can't stop a parked car. Um, but... Yeah, so like kind of just rounding it out, finishing everything up. Um, this this team has some work to do. Um, I re I you know last night was not a great game, but I think that there's there's a lot of bright spots uh, moving forward. You know we have a lot of really good youth, and we have the ability to make ourselves a great roster. Uh, it's all about whether or not we're actually going to do it. And so um, to kind of wrap things up. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, my name was Nima Javadzada. Uh, you can find me again at Twitter or on Twitter at Finding Nima, uh, like Finding Nemo, but with an A at the end, uh, two E's. Finding Nima 23. Um, and you know, thank you for listening. This is the inaugural episode of the Rocket Science Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you guys for the second one.